Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, church, remember what we've talked about, okay? What happens next is the rapture of the church. The Greek word is harpazo, and it's, it's where the, the Lord snatches us out very quickly out of this world. He's going to come back for his bride. That's the rapture. Okay, what happens after the rapture, remember, now the Holy Spirit is taken off the Gentiles. Now, one of the things that Nathalie said to me before I move on is she said, um, we can see the evil in the world and yet the Holy Spirit is still here. Can you imagine when the Holy Spirit is taken off, the restrainer, the church is gone, what this world is going to be like? Okay, well, the seven years, now jot this down, God is going to deal with Israel. He's going to deal with Israel for the last seven years. It lines up with Daniel's pro- prophecy of, of 77s are determined. So we see that this is the seven years. Now, I want you to think about this, okay? For the first three and a half years, okay, think about this. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene, but what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to put the world back together. You understand that, okay? You understand this is exactly what he's going to, the first three and a half years, hey, let's just all, let's gather together, let's, let's get, uh, the humans can just join together, we can, we can rebuild, we can do this, okay? Because it's going to be a major, uh, just millions of Christians gone, think about all of that, a financial collapse, all of these things. Well, it's going to take him that long just to try to find something that seems somewhat normal. Now, we see that even today, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. The spirit of Antichrist, because we can see that, that again, what people are wanting, and, and we can see it being pushed, is normalcy. Can we go back to normal? Okay? Uh, back in the days, you used to think about stuff like the good old days. The good old days. Well, 2019 were the good old days. We didn't realize what was happening, but that sure was different from 2021. Now, Jack Hibbs, and I'm quoting him, he told us if 2020 was just like a, a, a about six or seven inches of water flooding the world, he says 2021 is going to be like a tidal wave and 2022 is going to be in worse. And that's what Jack Hibbs says. And we can kind of say, and, and I'm thinking, guys, with, okay, so we, okay, we're kind of pulling out of this. We're seeing somewhat normalcy. We can go to a restaurant now and, and, uh, and then we're, we're slowly coming, kind of coming back. And it's, and it's frustrating and it's heartbreaking. But the Antichrist right here, guys, for the first three and a half years is going to try to put the world back together. We see a glimpse of this. Then the last three and a half years is when all hell breaks loose. Okay, all hell breaks loose. Why? Because all of a sudden the Antichrist is revealed. God's judgments are poured out on the world. He starts with the seven seals. And then he moves on to the seven trumpets. And finally today, he's going to finish up with the seven bold judgments. Seven, seven, seven. But the, the reason why is they intensify as we go along. First star is like, hey, going to get, get your attention. Now, what God is doing now weather-wise, what God is doing weather-wise, what God is doing in the world, what he's doing politically, what he's doing all around, he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to wake us up. He's trying to wake the world up and say, hey, listen, this is what's going to go down. And, and uh, 
in the tribulation, this is what he's going to do. He's going to, okay, here we go. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. And then, and then we see the, the seven trumpets, more judgment. And now he's like, that's it. That's it. Okay? And so what we talked about, guys, if you recall last week, um, let's look at the first 11 verses. We'll just summarize it real quick. But Revelation 16, 1 through 11, John writes, he says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. So the first went out and poured his bowl upon the earth. And he and a foul and loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Guys, remember, what happens is that they've taken the mark. They've taken the mark, whatever it is, they've taken it. And he says, at this point, he says, as that bowl is coming out, guys, it's this foul and it's these boils, these oozing, painful boils all over. Now, one of the things that we talked about is that, yeah, it could be a nuclear fallout. Yeah, I, but what we really understand is it's something that's going to be inside that's going to come to the outside. What? Is it the mark? Is it something being injected in the right hand or the forehead? I don't know, but I know that this is the judgment right here, guys. He comes and here are these oils, and, and he says, man, listen. But think about this, guys. Look at it again. He says... This foul and loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Now, after all that's going down, why would anybody worship the image of the beast? Unless it was practical. Unless it was to behoove you in this life. You see, we're created to worship. And we worship... Well, listen, I can make your life easier. I can make things good for you. Well, you're not going to sit down and go, oh, wow. But worship is pledging allegiance to and saying, I will. These are the same way, guys. The problem is, and you and I know as Christians, that there is none worthy on this world to be praised or worshipped except God. And we need to know him even more. But here are these boozing, here are these oozing, yucky, awful boils, these, these loathsome sores, painful. And the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. Check it out, guys. And the sea became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Now, you guys understand that everything in the sea died. It wasn't just a, it wasn't just a local, it wasn't just one quarter of the sea, everything. Could you imagine what that would smell like? Boom. Boom. And he says, this is what's going down, guys. It's everything in the sea. And a third angel poured out his bowl in the rivers, uh, and on the rivers and the spring water, and they became blood. So you run up to the mountains, you have Rocky Mountain Springs, you have all of this, and it's just, it's just loathsome there, right? Well, there's, there's some, some great fresh water fish in the rivers that will die in these springs, and that will also turn yucky. I mean, think about it, guys, for just put, wrap, close your eyes for a minute, wrap your mind around looking at, looking at the world and just thinking all the water just completely blood. All of the sea. 
large mammals dead. They can't breathe. It's coming up to, oh, it, it's just, it's horrible. And the angel says, the angel of the waters, he says, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. You have given the blood to drink, for it is their just due. He says, then I heard another angel from the altar. Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. Guys, think about this. And the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. I started thinking about this today just a little bit. And I wonder if the polar axis has changed a, a little bit, some sort of... But all of a sudden now, you, you realize that right now the earth, if it was moved a little bit, um, just a, a few degrees closer to the sun, we would burn up instantaneously. If we were moved a few degrees back, we would freeze. God placed the earth... Boom, it's perfect. But he says, now, this bull is going to come out. And he says, he's going to give the power of the sun, and it's going to scorch men with fire. What resources do people have today that would be able to fight the scorching sun? What resources? Well, we'll just stay inside and be air-conditioned. That's not going to work. You guys got to think about how awful this is going to be as God is trying to get their attention. A loving God is trying to say, would you please repent? I've made a way. I mean, I want you to think about, you mean, you know, cause, cause here's how our, here's how our mind works. Our mind works where we go, yeah, it's, it might be really, really hot. It might be like 115, 120, 100. Try like 130, 140 degrees, but you have no power. Because there's nothing, there's, there's an EMP, there's, I mean, who knows? But you don't have any air conditioning, you don't have any fan, you are sitting there, and in your house is the only thing that's keeping you from walking outside and being scorched. You're scared. Yeah, I mean, think about it. And as they were scorched, I wish the text read they repented. They fell on their face and cried out to God. But look, notice what it says, guys. They were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast in the kingdom and it became what? Full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because their pain and their sores, and they didn't repent of their deeds. That's where we left off last week. These people in this text, guys, can barely speak because of the pain that overwhelms them, and they still find it in their hearts to blaspheme God. That trips me out. That trips me out, man. Now, think about hell. Think about hell for just a moment. Why, Ben? Because remember we studied in chapter 14, verses 9 through 11. It says that if you take the mark, that you're condemned to hell forever. Okay? In chapter 13, it says, and he causes those great and small. He's going, it's going to, you, you're not going to have a choice. You either take it, you won't be able to buy or sell. You guys get that, right? 
you realize that the mayor of New York is actually implementing this now at a smaller scale. If you do not have what he calls the vaccine passport, you cannot buy or sell the mayor of New York. Can't go. Can't go in. You can't buy or sell. But this is going to be on a greater level. Are you saying the mayor of the New York is the, is the... No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the spirit of Antichrist is already alive on the earth. So, don't take the mark. If you get nothing out of this message, do not take the mark. Give your life to Jesus. It's going to cost you your life. But if you take the mark, why would we take the mark? Why would we? Well, first of all, it's practical, okay? It's practical because you go, hey, well, you know what? I've got to live. I've got to buy and sell. I've got to make a living. I've got to feed my family, okay? Because it's one thing, guys, it's one thing for you and I who have lived We've lived. We're ready to go home. We're, we're good. But when we see our little ones, and they're saying, if you don't renounce Christ, we're going to torture them, not you. That's, that's when we lose it, guys. That's when we lose it. Here, put, right there. Right there. And we'll think about all the times that we could have surrendered our lives to God in church services. We could have think of all the times we heard the gospel and said, no, I'll, I'll get saved later. I still want to have my fun. No, I'll get saved later because I still want to do this. This is what's going to go down. But here's the thing. The Bible says, guys, that if, that if you take the mark, you're going to be condemned to hell forever. Okay, now that's the term I want to... You go, why? Because from time to time, guys, the question will come up and go, Pastor, why forever? Why do they have to go to hell forever, right? Why, why can't they just be like, could it be like a hundred years? And, 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 and here's what we, we've, we've called it penance, right? You can, you can go there while you served your term. Well, why not a thousand years? Well, what, what, what if it was just a million years max? Why is it that people will go to hell forever? Well, verses nine through 11 guys, gives us some great insight, guys, as to why hell is going to last forever. You go, what, nine through 11? Yeah, let's read it again real quick. Okay, nine through 11. Okay, what does it say? And they were scorched with great heat, okay, sunburned to the max. They blasphemed God's name, okay? They didn't repent. Then, then what happens? It became so dark, the kingdom full of darkness, that they gnawed their tongues because of their pain. So, the, so this sort of darkness is so, so, so I mean, the sores, the, the, the heat, the gnawing of the, the, the tongues, and it says right here, here's the key, guys. Look at this. They blasphemed God of heaven, and they didn't repent. Guys, think about it. Those who chose to go there will not repent. See, their hearts are so hard, they will spend eternity blaspheming God. Right now, you and I, we have a mindset that if somebody goes to hell, they go, Oh, I messed up. I don't want my brothers to come here. I don't want my sisters to come here. Oh, do something. But these people are so hard that they spend eternity, Robert, blaspheming God. That's a different kind of evil. Well, that brings up to verse, that brings us up to today's study, right? So we're going to continue on. And again, think about this, man. We're going to talk about like the, the end of the world. I mean, this is kind of, this is it. Okay. Now, remember, okay. After the seven years, we have a thousand year millennial reign where the, where we'll reign on the earth with the Lord for a thousand years. He will reign out of Jerusalem. 
So what's that thousand years going to be like? I don't know, but it's going to be super cool. But think about what's happening right here, okay? Think about um, the end of the world. Remember when the people used to talk about that? The end of the world? I, I don't know about you, but the last time I went to a movie, they showed some of these, like, I mean, every single movie seemed to have, like, some sort of world's end. They had to leave Earth and go, and I mean, I mean, it was just always the Earth was disastrous. Some sort of, I mean, they, they spent a lot of money, a lot of budget on this, and I used to think, what would the end of the world be like? What would, what would it be? I used to think about that as a kid, right? And... Um, you would think that towards the end of the world, if you will, people would turn to God, right? And you would think, oh, if they could just see some miracles, if they could see some dazzling signs or wonders, but that's not true. And you go, why? Because during the tribulation period, guys, um, we'll see a lot of signs and wonders, both divine and demonic. But unfortunately, they'll follow the demonic, and continue to shun God. Continue to shun God. Don't we see that going on today? Don't we see that going on today? Listen, folks, we're living, I believe, in the very last days. Now, I used to stand behind this pulpit and say, hey, guys, we're not only on the fourth quarter, we're in overtime. There's like 20 seconds left in the game. And that's how I feel. I really, I I, I don't know... I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years. I don't know. I know what the enemy has planned for for Build Back Better. I I know what their timeline is, 2030. And by 2050, that everyone should have electric cars. I mean, I know business timelines. But I don't know. I mean, I I, I just see. uh, I mean, think, think about this, guys. Think about this, okay? When we're talking about the last days, look what Joel says. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my, on my maidservants and on my, on my manservants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit on those days. So he's saying, guys, listen, this is what's happening. Okay, now we've got to be careful we got to be careful because, I mean, we, we, there's so much, there's so much um, weirdness on YouTube. You know, oh, I prophesied or God showed up and he told me this and he told me this was going to happen. We've got to be so careful. But it does tell us that in the last days, guys, right now, that, that, that basically our, our sons and daughters are going to prophesy that old men are going to dream dreams. And young men are going to see visions. We see that, and, and we see that God is pouring out His Spirit. Why? Because we see people getting saved. We see people getting saved. Guys, others rededicating their lives to Him, and the Lord is moving like we've never seen. But in the last days, we're also seeing something very discouraging. Why? Well, the Bible, Bible also says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, but know this, in the last days, perilous, Stressful times will come. Pressure cooker times. Anybody feel like we're in that? I do. This is pressure cooker kind of times. How so? Well, I mean, if you just listen to the news for five minutes, it's depressing. Well, don't listen to the news. Good idea. Good idea. I was driving somewhere yesterday about 4.30 and Pastor Bill was on.
And he was screaming at me, don't watch, don't listen to the news. Don't listen, don't watch the news. I don't know, he was, that was what is, it is true. Because it says, what happens? We have, we have some very last days. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves. Do we not see that? Do we not see that? Men will be lovers of themselves, guys. Everything is about money. Why? Because it says lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Do you realize that there are so many kids that are disobedient? You used to be able to tell a kid to do something and they would respect the fact that you were grown up. Nowadays, they question, they fight. Why why, why do I have to do this? And they're disobedient. It says they're unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brooders, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having what, guys? A form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. This is what he says in the last days. When we happen to flick the news on or we happen to see uh, something on our Facebook or, and we see it's all about this, we shouldn't be surprised because this is what the Lord said. This is what it's going to be. Slanderers are going to be, they're going to be unthankful. They're going to be unholy. There's going to be, listen, think about all the, all, all, all the channels. I've uh, got to be careful how I say this. Be careful of all the things we pay for that are unholy. And, 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 and they're targeting kids. And the kids' shows are really, really, I mean, you have to be careful. I know, because I have a seven-year-old granddaughter. I have to watch what she watches, and I can discern some of the stuff they're trying to pull in. Kids' shows about gymnastics that have nothing to do with weird medium and magic stuff. Anyway, unforgiving. I mean, all of this stuff, guys, without self-control. Anyways, this is, this is what's going on, right? And, and, and so back in our text, Jesus calls this time outlined in Revelation here, guys, the worst time in history. The worst time in history. This is the end of the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Okay? Now, remember, jot this down. This is key. Remember that, that in prophecy, God doesn't keep a chronological order. Okay, so you be careful, because if you read the book of Revelation without really digging through, you'll just kind of go through and go, oh, well, what, when is this happening? Okay, we're already there. We're at the end. We're at the fast, we're, 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 we've hit the remote button, and we're, we're at the end. We're very much at the end of the tribulation, okay? And what's happening now is this is just, it's, it's going to go down, okay? This is, this is the end. Now, as we go through our study tonight, we're going to see this outline. We're going to see the War of Armageddon, okay? We're going to see that in verses 12 to 16, okay? Then we're going to see the wasting of the earth, really, in, in verses 17 through 21. And then we're going to come back and just see a great word of assurance back in chapter, or verse 15, verse 15, okay? So let's, let's jump in. Let's look at the War of Armageddon, guys. Look at your Bibles. It says in Revelation 16, 12, those of you watching online, Revelation 16, 12, says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. 
Okay, so what's happening now is this bowl is being poured out, guys. Now we see that the great river Euphrates is being dried up, completely dry, for one reason. The way of the kings are going to come from the east. You go, what are you talking about? Well, we talked about this in chapter 9, if you don't remember. Okay, it's about this river, the river Euphrates. Now, if you're taking note, you recall that the great river Euphrates is where all of civilization began. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Well, the right here at the very beginning, think about it, right here, the first sin, the first lie, the first murder, and eventually the first grave all started right here. Okay, at, at what? At the, the great river Euphrates. Now, God just said he's going to dry up this river. Now, here's what you need to know. The river is 1,800 miles long. It's 3,600 feet wide in places and up to 36 feet deep. What I find interesting is where its origin is. You go, Ben, what are you talking about? I mean, where it starts. Do you realize where it starts? You go, no. The, the headwaters are actually at Mount Ararat. And you go, okay, what does that mean? Do you know what's on top of Mount Ararat? Yeah, Noah's Ark. So that's where it starts. And you go, why do you find that interesting? Because here, what the Lord just said is he dries up the river. He dries up the river. I wonder if maybe Noah's Ark is going to come floating down. I don't know, maybe just a thought. Uh, I don't know, but it's right there. But I know what you're thinking. You go, what's that, Pastor? How could the size of this river ever dry up? I mean, there's no way. There's no way. The very idea would be impossible. The river that's 3,600 feet wide, guys, and very deep, and it gets its source from the mountain, how can it dry up? That's a good question. But in a 1994 publication, guys, um, from the Atlantic Monthly, it was the site manager, his name is Aturik Dam, located the headwaters at the Euphrates, and here's what he quote. And this is not a Christian publication, but here's his quote. He declared that if they could stop the flow of the water into Syria and Iraq for up to eight months in order to regulate their political behavior, end quote. This was in 1994. You go, what do you mean? He says, if we could stop the waters of the Euphrates we could control or regulate their political behavior, both Syria and Iraq. You're going, whoa, wait a minute. Well, this is something God's going to do. This is something God's going to do. And as a result of this great river drying up, what does it do? It makes a way for the kings from the east to be prepared. Okay? Kings of the East, yeah, who are these kings of the East? Well, the Greek here, guys, gives us a clue because it actually, it literally means kings of the rising sun. When, it, when you look at the East, it actually means kings of the rising sun. So anything East of the Euphrates River is, is what, what's going to happen. You go, well, who is it? Well, it could be virtually anyone, okay? I want to, let me just point that out. It could be anyone, okay? But there are at least 50 different interpretations of who they are. Some people raise their hand and go, this is China. This is China. This is, this is, this is, this is China or Japan. And, or maybe it's this huge Muslim nation. It could be anyone, but I tend to lean, here's my opinion. I tend to lean towards now being in this situation. I tend to believe the kings of the East always referred to China. 
something of the Orient. You go, wow, okay. Now, let me just say this. Let me give you a couple of points to ponder on this verse. The area of the world where it talks about the kings of the East today, guys, is the most, um, it's the, uh, has the most of Earth's population right here, as well as great military potential. So he's talking about this. China and Japan, combining the technology advances, both nation, plus the fact that China can now boast, it can actually field a 300 million men army. God, they can do that right now. In fact, you guys know this, but one quarter of the Earth's population lives in China. 1.5, almost 2 billion people live in China. And you guys know this. Years ago, these families, or years ago, they began to what? Do you guys remember? They began to control population. Do you remember that? Yeah. You go, How? By regulating the families that could only have one child. Well, because most families had a desire to see their family carry on, you know, their family name, everyone wanted a boy. What did that result in? It resulted in in the aborting of millions and millions of girls. So today, check this out, guys. There are nine men for every girl in China which is the reason they can field such a massive army. But in a side note, there are two of the most powerful men in the world, and that is Vladimir Putin of Russia and Jing, the president, I don't know how to say his last name, but the president of China. Those are the two most powerful men in the world right now. Well, it seems as though God is doing the kings a favor by drying up the river, right? Because they can attack. But what he's doing, he's actually entering a trap. And here we see the Lord orchestrating to bring the nations together for a final battle. What's the battle called? The Battle of Armageddon. Right? This is where it is, right here, the Battle of Armageddon. Well, the plot thickens. Look at verse 13. He says, At that time I saw three unclean spirits. Now, I want you to underline this, like frogs. Okay? It's important you get that. He says, like frogs. He says, I didn't see three frogs coming out of his mouth. Okay? He says, like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing, what guys? Signs which will go out to the kings of the earth, the whole world, to gather them to battle in that great day of God Almighty. Right? So, I mean, these are, wow. Well, let's jump to verse 16 real quick. And it says, and they gathered them together in the place called Hebrew, which is Armageddon. So, wow, this is trippy. Okay? So we need to go back and dissect this. No pun intended, right? Dissecting a frog? Okay, just making sure you're awake. These are like frogs, okay? Now, remember, Nero, when John is penning this, he's going to say, man, I saw some demons like frogs. Okay, to Nero, he'd be like, well, you ate too much pizza tonight. You're crazy, you know. But 
to those who knew the Old Testament, they would automatically remember, right, being in, there in Egypt with the frogs. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. But see, understand that cultures, guys, the cultures, um, frogs and cultures were seen as unclean. So when he mentions these, these like frog things, it's like, oh, no, oh, no. And we see that these, this was the same, one of the same um, plagues that God poured out on Egypt back in Exodus chapter 8. Do you remember? Frogs everywhere, everywhere. And these are unclean. But to Pharaoh, do you remember what he said? He's like, call Moses, please. I went into the cupboard. I was trying to get some cereal and there was frogs everywhere. I can't believe this. And I went into the, I went over to the, the refrigerator and there's frogs everywhere. Get Moses. Moses, do something. Okay. Okay. Do something about the frogs. And Moses goes, okay. Hey, Pharaoh, when do you want the frogs gone? Um, tomorrow. Tomorrow. He wanted to sleep one more night with the frogs. Can you imagine? Go home tonight, open, get over in the covers, and you shall this rabbit, rabbit. These in Exodus were literal frogs. Here in Revelation, guys, these are like, these frogs are like demon spirits. And they're going out to what? To perform sign, these demonic wonders, these signs to the kings. Okay? And, 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 and by the way, by the way, okay, here's some great insight to this verse. Why? Just because someone does a sign or a wonder does not mean it's from the Lord. Can I get an amen? Because Matthew, guys, Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 says this, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders for what, Lord? To deceive, if possible, even the elect. The Bible also says in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are, they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. He says we need to test those. We don't just go, ooh, ah. Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest, okay? It would trip us out if somebody raised somebody from the dead. I mean, if we knew the boys, you know, somebody died and they came in and said, rise up. And the guy got up. We would all be just really freaked. I mean, that would just be like, whoa. And if he claimed to be from God, what would we do? We got to be careful, church. We got to be so careful. If this person called lightning down from heaven, if he did any of this, I mean, we got to be so careful because the Bible says we need to test the spirits. The only way I know how to test the spirits, guys, is to be walking with God, to hear his voice, to, to read his word. Let's not get away from the fact that I want to hear God's voice, but I don't get into his word so I can, so he can speak to me directly. I would love to see God write our destination or what God wants to do in our lives in the sky. Lord, where are we going? Oh, I saw this great vision. Amen. Or or whatever it might be. But God says, no, no, no. Listen, get in the word. Get alone. Cry out to me and study and see what God will say. And he'll speak to us, guys. And we don't go looking for signs and wonders. We stick to the foundation in the word of God.
But these frogs, these demonics are going to go out, man. They're going to go out and they're going to do something. I don't know how they're going to do I don't know how. But they're going to convince kings, presidents, to go to war against God. Now, okay, it's one thing if you were going to go fight somebody and it's a fair fight. I'm going to go to war, we're going to fight, we're pretty much evenly matched. But if this guy is super strong and he can beat everybody up, and he's been pounding people along the way, what are you thinking? Hey, I don't want no part of that. But not these guys. I mean, God, listen, every judgment has been from the Lord. Everything, I mean, the whole world is nuts. And he, somehow, these demonic frog dudes are going to go and convince presidents to go fight. Well, we'll fight with you. Where do you want to go? Well, we can't get to it. We'll follow the river Euphrates. And all these king's guys are going to converge in this great valley over Israel called Armageddon. And these nations will... Think about it. Now think about it, okay? These nations will come in darkness with boils being scorched by the sun, and yet they'll still come. Wow. Hey! You want to give your life to the Lord? He's so good right now. No, 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 no. But these people are going to come. Just a thought here to share, guys. Why does Satan bring all the armies of the world, think about this, to battle against God in Armageddon? Why? You go, that's a good question. Because they have been deceived into thinking they could defeat God. Let me take it down a notch, okay? Because that, that's revelation. We have to get to the point where we trust the sovereignty of God. And I know it's hard because God, God is God and, he, and his ways are not our ways. And sometimes we don't feel like he's on our side. And I'm talking in people in general. And so when things go bad, guys, when things go bad, we tend to bow up our... And we said, well, Lord, if you're not going to do this for me, I'm not going to serve you. And, blah, blah. And, we, and we try to battle against God one-on-one. Thinking we can, help me guys, you know what I'm talking about, thinking we can manipulate him by saying, well, I just won't serve you or, or I'm going to tell people. I mean, we have, we have very rich people. You guys know who I'm talking about. Very gazillionaires who are calling the shots who are literally God-haters. You guys know who I'm talking about. Why? Why, are you, why do you want to fight God? Well, because when I was three years old or when I was 18 months, my mom died of cancer. And why would God do this? And we always use the why. Why would God do this? Why would God, why would God do this to, to me? I, I was just simply trying to serve him. We need to trust the sovereignty of God. And I know it's hard at times. But it's not hard when you're walking close to him. It's harder when you're walking farther away. And so our goal should be, guys, that we're, we just walk, try to walk so close to God in these last days. Don't give room for any distractions or any compromises. We need to walk so close so that when the sovereignty of God comes up and life happens, we can say, God, I trust you. I trust you. Hey, if you don't do this, I mean, think about this. Think about it. How far are we from us being killed for our faith? Do you have it in you? 
Do you have it in you? There's 226 missionaries. Do you have it in you to stand and say, this is it? Last week we were preaching gospel. This week we're standing for our faith. You know how they have it in them? Because they're not distracted. We got to be walking close to the Lord. We got to wholly surrender our hearts and say, God, I'm going to do, I'm, I got to be careful with these distractions. I'm, and you guys are awesome. You're here, you're learning, you're growing, and that's what you need to do. But it's, this is not enough. Wednesday night is not enough. You need to, you need to be having your quiet time. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to be seeking God and hearing his voice. Another reason that he's going to bring all of these armies, guys, is that he knows that the second coming is right around, right, right there. He knows. Okay? And, and so he brings the military might of the world to Israel, knowing the end of the book. You don't realize Satan knows this book. He knows this book. He knows it better than we do. He knows what the end is going to be. Okay? Think about it. He knows his fate. But his purpose, guys, is to take as many people to hell as he can. That's his purpose. He doesn't care about anyone. He doesn't care about anyone. His whole plan is to watch or a death blow to those who think he's their friend. And it's not much different today, guys. Because Satan pretends to care about you, only to watch you die. To Satan, you were, and some of you are, just a pawn in the game against God. But to God, you're not a pawn. You're his beloved friend. Think about this. The Lord thinks about you more than the sand of the sea. And his desire, the Bible says, is that none should perish and all coming to a saving knowledge of him. He's not just using, oh, I'm going I'm to use this as a pawn. Well, in verse 16, we see Armageddon. But I want you to remember this, guys, that Armageddon is not a battle. It really is a conclusion, right? It's the end. Boom. I mean, the, the battle's going to go done. It's going to be done. Okay? And if you go to Israel, man, I wish we could, I wish we could go. I don't know if we're ever going to go back to Israel, but if you go to Israel, there's this valley located 60 miles north of Jerusalem. It's in the Jezreel Valley. And man, this, this place is just perfect for, for warfare. Do you realize that 200 battles have been fought in this valley throughout history? the Valley of Jezreel. When Napoleon went to Egypt and passed through Jezreel Valley, here's what he declared. If there's ever a place on earth where the last war must be fought, it's here in this valley. That's what he said. It's incredible. It's incredible. Well, it goes on. Let's see what happens to the earth. Verse 17. He said, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is, what, guys? Done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake 
as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now, the great city was divided into three parts, and the city of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away. Sorry, Vaughn. Every island's gone. You won't be here. I know, but I thought of you because, I mean, boom. But, I mean, think of me because all the mountains were not found. Okay? And this is heavy, guys. And he says, And great hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone weighed about a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. This is the seventh bowl. This is it. This is the final. God says, it's done. It's done. This is it. I mean, think about it. God says this, John. Jesus' words on the cross when the final act of redemption was finished, what did he say? Or we're done. He said, it's finished. As the bowl is being poured out, we can see some great environmental changes will occur. You go, well, like what? Well, in verse 18 again, it says, the noises and the thunder and lightning and a great earthquake. He's talking about an earthquake that, that the whole world feels. Right? And you go, hey, there was an earthquake in California. Oh, hey, there was a, did you feel that? Did you? No. This is the whole world. The whole world is going to shake. And he says, everything is going to what? It's going to just go away. The islands, mountains, wow. I don't know, guys, if we're going to have a bird's eye view of that. I don't know if we're going to see this and go, Lord, wow. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think seven years is enough to just, we're in heaven. This is amazing. Let's worship. But then it tells us in verse 19, guys, that the great city was divided into three parts. The great city, guys, if, if you remember, uh, in chapter 11, verse 8, the two witnesses were killed in the great city. So he's talking about Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, okay, the Bible says Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. Zechariah said, in that day, the Mount of Olives will split in two. And the Mount of Olives is located where? In Jerusalem. Okay, and he says, then every island fled away and mountains were not found. But here's where it gets even worse. Why? It says, guys, these great hail fell from heaven upon men. Each, each hailstone, each weighed about a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the great plague of hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. Guys, this last element of the wrath of God are huge hailstones. You go, well, how much does a talent weigh? About 100 pounds. Can you imagine 100-pound hail coming down? Wow. Wow. 100-pound ice cubes raining from the sky. That's incredible. But guess what? Men blaspheme God because of this. I don't know how. I, I, I mean, think about it. House is destroyed. I mean, if you had a house, it's destroyed. 100-pound hails. Now, something just to think about for tonight, guys, as you, as you lay your head on your pillow. Do you guys remember in the Old Testament, what was the penalty for blasphemy? 
Do you guys remember? If you blasphemed, what had happened? You were taken out and you were stoned to death. God is stoning the world for what? Because it's mentioned three times, and they blasphemed his name. And they blasphemed his name. The Bible says that when my Jesus was on the cross, he was unrecognizable. You, you didn't know it was him. He was so beaten and so swollen and so bloodied. And so the, Isaiah says I, you, you couldn't recognize who he was. At the end of chapter 16, the world that you live in is unrecognizable. Unrecognizable. And, and, and here's, there's a lot of people and a lot of pastors, unfortunately, that think the church is going to go through the tribulation. We won't survive the tribulation. We have to be rescued because when you add all of these judgments, there's no way because we would feel every single earthquake. We would smell every single smell in, we would have no food. If all the Christians rally together, we still wouldn't survive. You understand how, how devastating this is. These are people who have turned their backs on God and their hearts are so hard that they're never coming to him. But as we close, as we close, let's jump back to verse 15, okay? Because I want to give you a word of assurance. Look what it says. He says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Guys, think about what he's saying. Number one, Jesus is coming. And when he says, it speaks of suddenness and unpreparedness and danger. Jesus is coming. He's coming as a thief for unbelievers. Why? Because as believers, you're watching for him, aren't you? You're looking. You know in your heart, he's coming. Unbelievers, they don't know. And let me just say this, okay? My opinion only. I'm going to step to the side of the pulpit. My opinion. I believe there are a lot of, quote, unquote, Christians who don't know he's coming. And they've started to miss church. They've missed church to where now they don't miss church. And they're busy about their lives. And I I know a lot of them who claim Christianity, who claim Jesus. But none of this makes any sense to them biblically. They don't see it. And I wonder how many of our family and our friends are just going, yeah, it's another day on earth. And you guys, as you see that day approaching, it's like, oh, Lord, help me to be faithful. Help me to win the race. Jesus is coming soon. And he comes as a thief to unbelievers. But but to us, he comes as a bridegroom.
So what do we do? Number two, we, sh- we should watch. We should watch. What do you mean? Guys, he says, keep, he, 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 blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. Guys, we need to keep our garments. Guys, we need to keep our garments clean, pure and holy. He says we must be prepared. Guys, 1 John 2.28 says, Now little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have the confidence not to be ashamed before him at his coming. I don't want, and this is my prayer, I don't want to be found doing something I shouldn't be doing when he comes. Listen, listen. In many ways, the Bible is the story of two mountains, is it not? You go, well, like what? Well, both mountains deal with the wrath of God. See, we have one mountain here at Armageddon, right? It's called the Mount of Rendezvous, where God's wrath is going to be poured out upon those who follow the Antichrist. We just studied that. You can see, because you're standing upon Mount Carmel, the Valley of Armageddon, but the other mountain is Mount Calvary, where the wrath of God was also poured out, but not on those who came to fight him, but it was poured out on his son, Jesus. Both deal with bloodshed. In Armageddon, blood as high as the horse's bridle. But the blood also poured out of his son's veins at Calvary. Both offer completions. The voice from heaven cries, it's done at Megiddo. The voice from the cross says, it's finished. Will you endure the final wrath of the father at Megiddo or will you embrace the finished work of the son at Calvary? Those are reasons to rejoice tonight. Father, you are so amazing, so gracious, so compassionate. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to be here, God. But listening to prophecy, listening to your word, People aren't going to be here, God. And they don't need to be. And I don't know what we can do, but God, I know we can pray. We can pray and we can lovingly reach out. God, we need to take you serious. We need to stop playing church. We need to stop fooling around and get serious with you, God. We need, to, we need to quit compromising in our walks. And we need to fall on your mercy and draw close to you. We need to repent of our sins, God. We need to cry out to you for mercy. Lord, use us in our families, God. Use us 
Lord, in our friends and at our workplaces, use us, God. Help us, Lord, please. God, when was the last time we led anybody to you? We're sorry. We've missed it, God. We've missed it. God, please do a work in our hearts right now. God, as we just cry out to you in our hearts, God, forgive us of our sin, Lord Jesus. We seek to make things right tonight. No more walking the fence. No more hoping. You've called us to wash our clothes and to live in purity. And that's what we want to do. And if you're here tonight or you're watching online or you're listening by podcast, listen to me. Now is the time to repent. Give your life to Jesus. Don't wait any longer. Say, today is the day I surrender to you. Forgive me, God. I'm so unclean. Thank you for dying on the cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that you're coming back for me. I don't deserve it, but by your grace, I'll be with you in heaven. Lord Jesus, because of this great love you have for me, help me to serve you. Help me to honor you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.